Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Ephesians 4.26 says this, 4.26-27. Paul says, be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now, what we have here in this chapter, they were angry, they sinned, they, they didn't stop with their wrath, and they gave tremendous place to the devil. So when it says, be ye angry, it's saying, angry's not bad, anger's not bad. But when it says, sin not, that means sin that results from anger is not good, or sinful anger is not good. And then when it says, let not the sun go down upon, on your wrath, that means do not let anger create wrath. Wrath is retribution. Wrath is vengeance. Wrath is above our pay scale. Okay? That's not in our realm. God is the one who takes wrath. God is the one who takes vengeance. God is the one who takes retribution. And the sons of Jacob, when they did that, sinful anger. They let the sun go down on the, anyways. Their anger boiled and boiled until they took vengeance. It was not wrong. Now hear me out on this. It was not wrong for the sons of Jacob to be angry over the defilement of Dinah. But they needed to be angry over the sin and not over the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. See, the Lord Jesus Christ showed anger. He showed anger when he drove the money changers out of the temple. That was pretty angry. He says there in John 2, 14 through 16, that he, he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changes of money. And when he made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and overturned the tables. This was a big scene, overthrew their tables and said unto them that sold the doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. So the Lord Jesus Christ was angry. He was angry with religious hypocrisy too. In Mark 3, 2, when they brought him this man with the withered hand, it says they watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. That made him angry. He saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. He saith unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? They held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored and holds the state. Now listen, anger is a valuable emotion. He had a valuable emotion. The sons of Jacob had a valuable emotion. The sons of Jacob used their steam in their engine, their valuable emotion, to kill people. That was sinful. The Lord Jesus Christ used that valuable emotion of anger as the steam in his engine to heal someone. That would be good. Now, Paul, when he came into the city of Athens, he saw the city given over to idols. He was angry. 
It says in Acts 17, 16, in the King James, it says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. That means anger. When he saw the city wholly given over to idolatry, the Amplified Version puts it like this. Now while Paul was awaiting them at Athens, his spirit was grieved and roused to anger as he saw that the whole city was full of idols. Why was Paul angry? Because of the power of idolatry to cheat the Lord Jesus Christ out of the worship and love and adoration that he deserved. You know, when I was asked one time in Japan by, you know, some, sometimes I'm asking, when I was asked in Japan, sometimes I have, the Japanese businessmen, would, we'd have some free time, and they'd say, oh, would you like to go visit our temples? And I smiled and I said, no, because I hate your temples. <laughs> and they're like, what? No, why do you hate our temples? Because I care about the Japanese people. I care about the Japanese people, so I hate your temples. Because your temples are misleading the Japanese people away from God, who's the only one who can save them from destruction. So I am angry when I go into a Japanese temple. I don't want to go to your temples. When Proverbs 19.11 says that the discretion of a man disferreth his anger, it means that there is a time when anger must be suppressed. That's what the sons of Jacob should have done. But this is what the Bible means when it says in James 1.19-20, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, in those verses, the word wrath, that's the same word as anger. So what this is saying is that we need to give the go-ahead to hearing and put the brakes on speaking and anger, because usually anger comes out in what you say first. Because the anger of man will not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, what the sons of Jacob did was they brought great dishonor to God. Great dishonor to God. Now, we can see in this chapter 34, when anger is sinful, we get the clues here of what is sinful anger in chapter 34. What we can see in Genesis 34 is that anger is sinful when it goes beyond the cause. Beyond the cause. See, we saw that when they went beyond the cause to say that all the men of Shechem were responsible for defiling Dinah and how Shechem treated Dinah like a prostitute, anger is always sinful when it goes beyond the cause. And what we can see in Genesis 34 is that anger is sinful when it is against a person rather than against a sin. See, the focus of the anger of the sons of Jacob was not on the sin of Dinah's defilement, but it was focused on Shechem, and anger that's focused on a person is always sinful. And what we can see from Genesis 34 is that anger is sinful when it comes along with a desire for revenge. In Romans 12, 9, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. No, that's God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. When the Bible says, avenge not yourselves, it means we are never to take our own revenge. And you can see in Genesis 34 how the sons kept saying, our sister, our sister, our sister, like throwing fuel into a fire, to the point where they took revenge for what was done to our sister. Anger is always sinful when it leads to taking personal revenge. Anger is sinful when it is cherished and it grows, getting hotter and hotter with reflection. This is what the sons of Jacob did in chapter 34. The more they reflected on the offense, the more their anger grew and their anger that grows with reflection is always sinful. 
Anger is sinful when it has an unforgiving spirit that results in bitterness, which is why the Bible says that bitterness with anger, you've got to replace that. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, it's very interesting. Do you want to turn to that? You can turn to that. Ephesians 4.30-32. It's very important. It says there, it's talking about several, and it's interesting to see the topics that are brought together in uh, Ephesians 4.30-32. First topic is the Holy Spirit in verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Second topic in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger. No, bitterness, second subject. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And, verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So notice, bitterness, wrath, anger, package it up, put it in the trash. Put it away, but replace it with kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Now remember I told you that anger produces some very creative and good emotions? Because when it says about Paul, he stirred him up, it creates a steam in our engine. So he's saying, you're so angry, now control your steam and Really be kind one to another. Really be tenderhearted one to another. Stop being a marshmallow. And now really forgive one another. See, the sons, they had no forgiving spirit. And their anger was sinful because their anger had an unforgiving spirit to it or a bitter spirit to it that's always sinful. But we got to respect the power of our sinful anger and realize we can't control it by ourselves You know, we have to put our sinful anger and be cleansed from our sinful anger, but we can't do this by ourselves. That's why the Holy Spirit is brought up in Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit. They said, don't make him mad. You need him. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You need him to help you to get away from the sinful anger. Because if we don't get our anger under control, we're going to regret what we do. You know, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great, He was in front of his men one time, and one of his men, who was a close childhood friend, it was a general, a close childhood friend, and the friend got drunk, and he began to ridicule Alexander the Great, and Alexander the Great got so angry, he took a spear off of one of his men and hurled it at his close childhood friend. He just meant to scare him, but he was so good, he killed him, and deep remorse came on him about his anger. He was overcome with guilt. And Alexander, at that moment, tried to kill himself with the same sword. But his men stopped him from doing that. And for days, he lay sick, and he was calling out for his friend. And he was calling himself a murderer. This is Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered many cities and many countries, but he was conquered by his own sinful anger. Now, but there's an anger that's not sinful. And that anger stirs us up to do good. Just like Paul in Athens we're talking about, he got so angry and his anger caused him to preach all the more the gospel and bring many people to the Lord because he was angry. Anger is not sinful. It's one of our most creative emotions. And in this passage here in Ephesians 4, 30, 32, it starts out by telling us, put away sinful anger, but the anger that stirred us up and the passion and energy that come from that, instead of being tough, directed into being tenderhearted. Instead of fighting, directed to becoming actively forgiving. See, the Old Testament prophets, they were an angry bunch. 
those anti-Old Testament prophets. And, but they made great achievements for God because of the powerful anger that was put under control and channeled for good. You know, Elijah, when he was on Mount Carmel, he was an angry man. He was angry up there. But he put his anger under control and did good when he submitted it to God. On the other hand, Moses, he was angry at the rock. He didn't put his anger under control. He sinned when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. It's all a matter of whether or not we harness the valuable energy of anger and put it under control, use it for good. Anger is powerful for good when it's under control. And you know what? Let's consider about the sons of Jacob. They were angry. If they had controlled their anger and channeled their anger into an active pursuit of converting the Hivites, who knows how many lost souls would have been added to the kingdom because they were angry. Anger is powerful for good when it's put under control in the life of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was angry at slavery, but he put his anger under control and freed the slaves. Anger is powerful for good when it's put under control in the lives of many missionaries who go to the mission fields, they see the souls, lost souls, imprisoned by Satan. They get angry, and they channel their anger to getting those souls saved. And now Proverbs 19.11 goes on when it says, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it says, it is his glory to pass over a transgression. See, it's the glory of man to pass over a transgression. When we pass over a transgression, we imitate God. That's what God does. Micah, Micah, whose name means who is like God, he gives his, I don't know how you say it, his mission statement statement in Micah 7.18 when he uses his own name and he says, Michael, who is like God? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities that will cast all their sin into the depth of the sea. See, when we become angry, we need to think about God and what God would do. Pardoneth iniquity, passeth by transgression, retaineth not anger, delighteth in mercy, has compassion. God never compromises sin. He never condones sin. But he finds a way to withhold his anger and to use that anger to extend mercy. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is God withholding his anger toward us and extending mercy to us. And as children of God, we need to be like God and looking for ways for how we can withhold our anger and extend mercy. Take the passion that comes from it and use it for good. Now, when we look at this chapter 34 of Genesis, we can see in verse 7 how the sons of Jacob, they didn't control their inner anger. Anger has to be controlled. It has to be controlled on the inside See verse 7 there, chapter 34? That's an inside verse. That's an insider verse. That's telling you that this is what happened on the inside when it says the men were grieved and they were very wroth. The Lord Jesus Christ, he showed that anger has to be controlled first on the inside when he said a very important passage in Matthew 5, 21 to 23. See, actually, 24 also. Anyway, see, here's what he said. You've heard that it was said by them in the old time, thou shalt not kill. Okay? And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, Whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. 
And it goes on. Go their way. Be reconciled. The Lord is there speaking about the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. And then for the application, he speaks about being angry. This shows how anger has to be controlled first on the inside. You know, once there was a lady and she was treated very unkindly, spoken to very cruelly. But she reacted very kindly and very graciously to the offender. And then someone came up to her afterward and complimented her for not showing any unkindness in how she was treated. And she says, oh, you don't see how I'm boiling inside. (laughs) But God does. God sees. And he sees our inside and he sees that sinful nature. He sees that sinful anger. So in this passage in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 22, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, oh, you call a person raka, which means lowlifer or base person. Or fool, you know, the sinful. Anger is sinful when it results in calling names, when it results in gossip, spreading slander about an offender. Now, we have before us what's a horrible thing that can happen from sinful anger in Genesis 34. But thank God that we have before us also in Matthew 5 a guide for how we can prevent and remedy sinful anger in ourselves. Matthew 5, 21 through 25, the whole thing. The first directive in Matthew 5, 24 says, be reconciled to your brother. The context for this directive is calling out a certain memory. Oh, I remember something. What do you know? And it comes at a certain time and place. And that's in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest, well, what do you know about that? That thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come, offer thy gift, agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him. Now we got to lock on some words here. First five words we got to lock on is the altar and there rememberest. Because that means there's a place, there's a time, and there's a certain memory that comes at that place and time. And that is designed by God to prevent sinful anger. See, the place and time is when we are at the altar seeking to bring an offering to God. That might be right here, right now, for example, or any time when you're in prayer. It's a place and time when a certain remembering, certain something comes to your mind to remember something. Something happens with your memory, you know. You wonder, I never thought of that before. You can't remember where your keys are, but this you remember. The certain thing you remember is that, oh, yeah, my brother's mad at me, you know. And what we must do, and that's the Holy Spirit who does that, And what we must do to prevent sinful anger is to have a sensitivity to be able to hear that and recognize that. The emphasis here is on being sensitive to anything my brother may have done against me or I have done against my brother. The Christian who is living in the Spirit, he knows at once when he's grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit. And he'll be sensitive to the sin of unforgiveness or sinful anger when he kneels down in prayer. So he has to have a sensitive conscience. If he has a sensitive conscience, if a Christian has a sensitive conscience, it will be impossible for him to pray until this sinful anger is remedied. That's what Paul means in 1 Timothy 2.8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. Without anger means without sinful anger. Pray lifting up holy hands means to pray without sinful anger in the heart. That's why... It says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's sinful anger in the heart, the Lord won't hear the prayer. Now, the next directive to prevent sinful anger is in this same passage, Matthew 5, 24. 
leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. The important phrase is be reconciled to thy brother. The word to thy brother emphasizes there must be a personal encounter. You know, it could start with a phone call. It can start with a letter, but it's got to get to face to face. It's a very important word. And the second important words are thy brother. You know what happens when someone gets mad at us? We get mad at somebody, we push him away. No, you don't push away. That's what sinful anger does. God says, you call him your brother, your brother. In this, this same passage here, it says, when your adversary, he's talking about your adversary. Yes, your adversary, your brother. Now, the word reconciled means that there must be a brokenness and forgiveness. Reconciliation can never happen with pride or harsh words. Um, yeah, I forgive you for being such a rat that you are. No, that's not going to work, <laughs> okay? Confession is never real without repentance. Now, in the next verse, very important word, uh, Matthew five twenty five. agree with thine adversary quickly. That's important. Quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. That's an important word. Quickly is important. A little boy named Danny, he was praying, on, he was praying at night before he's going to sleep at his mother's knees, before going to bed, he prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die, and he stops. And he stops right there. He says nothing. And his mother waited and said, go on, go on, Danny. You know the rest of the prayer. And Danny says, wait a minute. And he jumps up to his feet. He runs downstairs. And when he came back in, he drops again to his knees and he prays, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And so his mother says, what was that all about? What was that about? And Danny said, well, when I was praying, I remembered that I had put my brother Ted's wooden soldiers all on their heads because I wanted to see how mad he'd get in the morning. (laughs) He said, I had to stop and put all of Ted's wooden soldiers on their feet. And so I turned the ball back over, you know, and that's what I did. I ran down there and did that because I thought, if I should die before I wake, I don't want Ted to find his wooden soldiers that way. (laughs) So that's quickly... That's a sensitive, we got to be like Danny. We got to finish our prayers. If I should die before I, and stop and get right with God and our brothers and do it now. And the next important words in this passage here, whilst thou art in the way with him. We got to remember, we're traveling together with our offended brother on the road to heaven. We're on the same road. So I got to make things right now, unless I lose the opportunity That is remembering at the altar. That is having a sensitive conscience. That's acting quickly before it's too late. How many people have died in our lives that we lost the opportunity to make things right? God is determined to have us pure and clean and white. And we may not be determined, but God is. And so that means he's going to take some action. Now, after reconciliation... It says in verse 24, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. After reconciliation, there is a temptation to say, that was terrible, I'm walking away from this, I don't want any more to do. No, no. He says, don't forget, return to the altar. Why? To experience the relief and the joy of being right with God and right with our brother. Amen? Amen. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we're very sorry about what happened in Genesis 34. But Lord, we have uh, seen the warning sign from you and we don't want to go there. And so help us all, Lord, to control sinful anger in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Then come celebrate Creation Day on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. This is a Christian family festival event with games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, petting zoos, animal shows, super science experiments for kids, plus life-size dinosaurs at our brand-new Dinosaur Gardens exhibit, plus world-renowned speakers, Ray Comfort, Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, Jay Siegert, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements are free for your family and your entire church family. The Creation Earth History Museum is located off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. Bring your family and friends Saturday, November 5th and strengthen your faith at Creation Day, San Diego's Christian Family Festival event. For more information, call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org creationsd.org.